Welcome to Evangel Church Online, a safe place for everyone to explore faith in Jesus, receive his love, and look more and more like him each day. Well, this week, we're talking about being hated. this week on how to kind of intro this portion of scripture. I mean, how do you set up a passage that is so full of tension? How do you introduce a concept that is both trivialized and overused in Christian circles? Well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John 15 verses 18 to 25. And if you don't have a Bible, head on over to myevangel.church forward slash Bible, and there are some links to Bible apps right there. Um, as well, if you're in the Powell River area, we would love to get a Bible into your hands. So John 15 verses 18 to 25. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen, and yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. Do you feel the, ta the tension in this passage? I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be hated. And there's this tension, there's this moment in this reading of this scripture where I kind of want to look at God and say, but surely, but surely if we just love our neighbors well, God, but surely if we just show up in our communities as the hands and feet of Jesus, but surely if the fruit of the spirit are on display in my life, they won't hate me, but surely this won't be the case. There's some, so much tension in this passage because it wars against that desire within us for community and relationship and to be honestly liked. There's a tension in this truth. You will be hated because Jesus was. You will be persecuted because Jesus was. Hard stop, full period. <laughs> like this is the end of the statement. Before we kind of dig into the tension, I want to take a quick moment to clarify the word world, cosmos, because what I don't want is that we walk away from this moment together and we start to vilify every person around us or we start to um, like with suspicion wonder if they are hating us somewhere in there, if they're like holding some hostility or are just abrasive towards us because of the gospel. Like I don't want us to walk around uh, suspicious of others. 
The word world is cosmos, and it's this idea of an ordered system. And we know that the ordered system we live in, our world, is a fallen one. Sin has entered the picture, and so we know that there's a battle being waged right now for the souls of every single human being on this earth. There's a war within us where our sin nature wants to keep us um, bound to sin and our own selfishness, and that's at war with the holiness of God. And then we know that there's a whole other war being fought, not within us, but around us where Satan and the demonic forces don't want us to find forgiveness. They want to hurt the heart of God by keeping us in bondage to our sin nature while God is fighting on our behalf. He's actively pursuing us with his forgiveness and salvation. And so there's a battle being waged within us and there's a battle being waged for us. And this is a reality that we can't see. And so cosmos, this world, this ordered system speaks to this spiritual battle that is being played out right now in this moment and in every moment. And so while it encompasses individuals, it's more than individuals. It's this ordered system of the world. William Barclay writes, as we have already said, by the world, John meant human society organizing itself without God. There's bound to be a rift between those who regard God as the only reality in life and those who regard God as totally irrelevant for life. And this is important that we kind of take note of that to remember that this is a system, a way of being more so than it is one individual person. And so the world is being this sweeping term of the realities that we find ourselves in, in this battle for the soul of every human being. And where do we find ourselves? as those who have been chosen and called out, as those who are set apart, who have found themselves um, choosing Jesus in this battle. We have already decided which side we are going to sway to. We have chosen that we are going to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And so within us, the battle has been won. So where do we find ourselves in that war? as the hated ones. Let's pray. So God, we thank you. We thank you that Holy Spirit, you revealed Jesus to us. You revealed our own sin. And, and I thank you that you allowed us to find forgiveness and wholeness and salvation in you. God, we recognize that there is a war being waged right now within every soul and, and for every soul. And so as we open the scripture this morning to this hard passage, and as we dig deeper into it, I pray that you would help us to count the cost, but also to see the very real responsibility that we each have as those who have chosen you. And so would you guide us into truth this morning? Would you reveal it to us, spirit of truth? Would you allow my own words to float away? Holy Spirit, would you speak? We need to hear you in your precious name. Amen. How does it feel to be the hated ones? If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. 
If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, not anymore. But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. And so Jesus jumps from this encouragement for us to stay connected to him, to stay attached to the vine, which is critical in light of this warning of the realities that are coming to us as we live out our faith. If the world hates you, and it's not so much a question or a pondering, in the Greek, this phrase isn't a question, but rather one where an invisible, as it does, could be added. If the world hates you, as it does, keep in mind that it hated me first. It's not a hypothetical, it's a fact. We have the luxury of the entirety of scriptures, which the disciples in this moment wouldn't have had. They would have just been able to draw from the individual encounters that Jesus had specifically with the Pharisees and Sadducees. But we have the entirety of scripture. We know how Jesus is going to be treated. We know the cost that he paid, which makes these verses even less exciting for us than they were for the disciples. If the world hates you as it does, keep in mind it hated me first. What they have done to me, they will do to you. This will be your path also. Are you prepared to be hated? Are you prepared to be mistreated? Are you prepared to be slandered? Are you prepared to carry your own cross? There is a cost to following Jesus and it is not all sunshine and roses. I know we talk often of the hope and the joy and the peace that we can find in him, of life abundant that he's offered us. But I think sometimes we fail to state that that is in spite of circumstances, not because of them. Life with Jesus is not easy. There is a cost to following him. There's a pastor in Yugoslavia, Peter Kuzmik, who wrote this of the Western church. So much popular Western evangelical religiosity is so shallow and selfish. It promises so much and demands so little. It offers success, personal happiness, peace of mind, material prosperity, but it hardly speaks of repentance, sacrifice, self-denial, holy lifestyle, and willingness to die for Christ. There is a cost. There is a reality that because of Jesus, because of Jesus, we will face trial, sword, and storm. And because there's this war within each of us to stay in our sin nature, to stay in our selfishness and push back against the surrender of submission to the Lordship of Jesus, we as those who have bowed our knee are 
lifting up the name of Jesus, we become perpetrators of tension in the relationships and communities we find ourselves in. See, there's this natural spiritual hostility between our sin nature and the lordship of Jesus. And so when we, as those who have found Jesus and declare him to be our Lord and Savior, when we walk out this journey of looking more and more like Jesus, which is just, in fancy words, the journey of sanctification, the outflow of our life is going to look less and less like the world, cosmos, that ordered system, around us. And it's going to look more and more like Jesus, which means that our lives should be looking less and less like what is deemed acceptable in society and more and more righteous, holy, set apart. That's what we've been called to. And so by walking that life of righteousness, by choosing our words and our actions that we have right standing with God, which is all that really means, we're going to starkly contrast the sin nature that is alive and well in every human being. And that contrast is going to cause some people to feel uncomfortable. That contrast is going to illuminate the war that is being waged within and around every human being on this planet. When we walk into circumstances and situations and relationships as those that are the image bearers of the Holy One, we bring Jesus into those situations, there can be a reaction, not to us, <laughs> To the holiness of God. William Barclay writes, the world acutely dislikes people whose lives are a condemnation of it. It is in fact dangerous to be good. It is dangerous to practice a higher standard than the standard of the world. You walking out your faith are going to be perceived as not just alien and strange and foreign, but as hostile by some. You, just walking out your faith, are going to bring light to dark places. Places that some people do not want illuminated. You, just walking out your faith, are going to bring hatred and animosity and persecution. And that's not by like bringing picket signs to things and, and pointing out people's weaknesses and brokenness. That's a whole different conversation. This is persecution because of Jesus Christ within you. You, just walking out the faith journey of looking more and more like Jesus, will invite hatred by the world, cosmos, the ordered system of things. And here's what Jesus promises us. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those, or you, when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus in you will be an obstacle to some, but all hope is not lost. 
See, in the midst of this reality, my own selfishness and anxiety can like sound the alarm bells right now. Retreat, protect yourself, hide. Just stay in your little Christian bubble. Just hang out with people who also are raising the name of Jesus and you'll be safe. But what does Jesus say? He actually doesn't ask us to be safe. He says, keep shining. Matthew 5, 14 to 16, he says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus says you have a part to play in what I am doing in the world around you. Don't sound the retreat. Pick up the cross and count the cost. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obey my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If they persecuted me, and they did, they'll persecute you. If they obeyed my teaching, and they did, they will listen to yours. You, if you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, did so because someone counted the cost to following Christ. You're here because the Holy Spirit revealed himself to you because when you heard the call of God, inviting you to come despite your brokenness, despite your sin, you answered yes, and you came, you did. You are one of these ones that Jesus said, if they obeyed, you did. And so we pick up our cross and we count the cost and we stay connected to the vines that we have the strength to persevere despite the hatred, despite the persecution, despite the slander. And we shine the light of Jesus because people matter to God. We don't stop. We don't sound the alarm bells. We don't retreat. We keep walking out this journey of looking more and more like Jesus. And there will be those that when they hear the voice of the Spirit, reject Jesus. And that is the greatest sin. That is the, the worst we can do is to reject life itself. But there will also be those who embrace him. When they hear the call of the voice of God, they answer and come. Friends, will you count the cost? Is following Jesus worth it? Is being part of the miracle of salvation as we share the good news with those around us, the hope that we have found in Jesus, is it worth being hated? Is it worth being persecuted? In 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9 to 10, Paul writes, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, 
for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecution, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Friends, there's a cost. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master if they persecuted me, and they did. They'll persecute you also. And if they obeyed my teaching, and they did, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. And there's the tension. See, there's a part of each of us that wants to act towards self-preservation, wants to hide or chameleon our way out of hostility and pain. But we've been asked to live in our world. We can't hide from it, but not be of our world. Rather, we are foreigners in a foreign place. We're not supposed to look like we belong. We're not supposed to look like we're at home here. So we are asked to stay present and active in the communities in which God has planted us while also holding up the ideals and the standard and the values of Jesus in our own lives. And that's going to look strange. There's a tension there. But I want to be really clear that in this passage, Jesus is stating that we're persecuted because of Jesus in us. We're persecuted because of his name. I grew up in a very charismatic moment um, in my teenage years of the church in Alberta. And, you know, we were great in our conversations um, like at camp and wherever. We were really good at finding boogeymen, at finding the places where hardship was persecution or a spiritual attack of some kind. And we got a little whiny, to be really honest, and we deemed any hostility, um, any kind of, you know, moment where life got a little tough or, or maybe somebody was upset with us, we kind of trivialized it to be hostility and persecution. And the reality was most of the things could have happened to anyone. They were just the hardships of life, the reality of life. And then there were other times when my own like zealousness, but not in a good way, made me a bit of a bull in a china shop where I forgot that, that gentleness is a fruit of the spirit, where I forgot that God had treated me so graciously. And in my desire to share the news of Jesus, I was just abrasive. And I was not bold, just obnoxious. <laughs> and I forgot kindness and love and wisdom and gentleness. I forgot compassion. I was a bull in a china shop. I was opinionated and abrasive. And if I'm being really honest, the reason that I got hostility back was because my version of sharing the gospel was pretty hostile. And so I want to be very, very clear that Jesus is not saying when you 
treat the world badly and you receive the reaction, <laughs> the consequences of your actions, you're being persecuted. He's not. Nor is he saying that every inconvenience is persecution. It's not. What he's saying is that Christ in you is going to be hostile to some that has nothing to do with you. A hostility that comes only from Jesus being recognized in you. There's this truth that we are going to be persecuted because of Christ in us, because we lift up the name of Jesus. And there's truth that what we see, we become fixated on. And when we become fix on, fixated on it, we see it a lot more. And there's truth that we receive the consequences of our actions. And if we're not careful, we can put all of those truths into the same bowl, shake them up, and call them persecution. But they're not the same. There is a cost to following Jesus. There's a dying to ourselves and an embracing of the cross. There's a responsibility to every single person who has chosen Jesus as Lord to look more and more like him each day. There's a cost to shining the light of Jesus, but there is also a reward. William Barclay writes, the basic demand on Christians is the demand that they should have the courage to be different. To be different will be dangerous, but none of us can be a Christian unless we accept that risk, for there must be a difference between the men and women of the world and the men and women of Christ. There's a cost, but there's also a reward. Now, friends, the truth is that Jesus is going to return, and today is one day closer to that day. And there are those whom Jesus loves the entire world who need to hear the good news and the hope that is found in him. There are those that the church needs to shine bright for. A city on a hill that cannot be hidden. And we are called to be ambassadors, to share the hope that we've found, to bring the hope and the presence of Jesus into the communities where we're planted. Jesus is returning and there's work that needs to be done, but that doesn't happen without a cost. Walking out that mission, living out that journey, means willingly walking into the line of fire. Walking out that journey means that we need to answer some hard questions to count the cost. Is following Jesus worth it? Are you ready for whatever comes? Are you ready if you're hated, despised, rejected, or worse? Is following Jesus worth it? 
That is a question that you have to answer for you. I know for me, the answer is yes. No matter what comes, hatred, rejection, persecution, or worse. Because the people that Jesus loves are worth it. And my reward is not here, it's in heaven. So the answer is yes. I wanna read these verses so over you one more time as we close because I believe there's a fortification that has to come into our spirits to speak peace and certainty and perseverance and strength in the face of those questions that can only come from the Holy Spirit in us, that can only come from God himself fortifying our spirit to be able to say, yes, whatever comes, I choose you, Jesus. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 to 10, but he, the Spirit of God, said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so the power of Christ may rest upon for the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God, this is a hard truth that no one wants to face. I do not want to be hated or persecuted. But I thank you that your grace is made perfect in my weakness and that in the face of whatever comes, I can say with confidence that following you is worth it. And so Holy Spirit, would you strengthen us and would you sustain us? Would you give us such an assurance of our faith and of who you are, would you root our faith down deep that no matter what storms and trials come, whether they are the storms and trials of this life or they are the storms and trials because we have chosen you, that we would not be shaken, that we would find ourselves standing firm on who you are and the truth of your word. We love you in your precious name. Amen. Hey everyone, thanks for sticking around for just a moment of uh, coming to the table. Uh, this is a moment within the Christian faith where we remember what Jesus did for us. And in fact, it was Jesus that instituted what we call the Last Supper or the communion table. And really it was a, a way of taking the Passover meal in the first century within the Jewish tradition and he kind of redefined what was going on. And so he took the bread, which would have been the Passover bread, the unleavened bread. And with his disciples, he broke it 
And, and he said, this is my body broken for you. And of course, he's alluding to this moment where he was going to go to the cross and his body was going to be whipped and beaten and nails through his hands and the spear in his side. And so he's, he's alluding to this moment of his broken body. But what he's saying is this, is, this is happening for you and it's happening for me. And it's in his broken body that we find healing and wholeness for ourselves. And so as we take this together, let's just remember his broken body together. And then in the same way, at that same meal, he took the cup and he said, this is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink and eat in remembrance of me. And so when we look at the shed blood of Christ, of course, it, this is a symbol, it's symbolic, it's just juice. However, in that symbolism, we remember his shed blood, which covered our iniquities, covered our sin, covered our brokenness and made us whole, not just in body and in soul, but also in spirit, made us whole and alive in Christ Jesus. And so we find forgiveness of sins through his shed blood. So let's take together as we remember this great act of love towards each and every one of us. So Lord, we thank you for your broken body and your shed blood and, and this moment of remembrance, this moment of acknowledging the truth of what you did for humanity, what you did for us, and what that means for us. And so Lord, for those of us in Christ Jesus, those of us who have declared that we believe you are the Son of God, Lord, there is life and liberty and freedom and forgiveness of sins. And Lord, we're so humble to walk in this way that you have called us into. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you so much. Just stick around for just a couple of announcements and some exciting updates on, uh, in particular, our fundraiser for an Anuspay camp. Thanks, friends, so much for joining with us in community. I just have a couple of announcements for you as we close our time together. The first one is we're actually having an Evangel Academy module tonight. So you're invited here at the church, 6.30 p.m. And Evangel Academy is essentially like a concentrated, more formal discussion around God's word. Uh, we can only go so deep on a Sunday morning. And so this is a chance for us uh, to, to maybe jump into a time of teaching rather than preaching that we so often get on Sunday morning. We're gonna be looking at the life of Paul, uh, his teachings, who he was, uh, some of the issues in Paul's life that even uh, his theology that persists today. Um, and so we would love to invite you here at the church, 6.30 to 8 p.m. tonight, and then every following Sunday in March as well. And then you've heard about it, you've heard all about camp, but thank you guys so much for making space in your hearts and in your lives for kids to experience Jesus at camp. Uh, we have already raised over $4,600 out of our $7,500 uh, fundraiser, and so thank you so much uh, for being generous and for partnering with us. Uh, we've done so much already and there's still a little bit to go. So I'd encourage you uh, to, to prayerfully consider what partnering with camp may look like uh, financially, but also there are a lot of ways that you can get involved uh, in other ways at camp as well. So if you go to myevangel.church forward slash camp, it will give you all of the ways and all of the information that you will need uh, for getting involved and partnering with Nanu Bay Camp uh, this summer and beyond. And then if you want to give to the everyday work that we do here at Evangel Church, we so appreciate that partnership. Every penny counts. Uh, there are multiple ways that you can give. And so if you go to myevangel.church forward slash give, it gives you all the ways that you can do that as well. Uh, thank you so much for joining us and we hope you have a great rest of your day.